What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Murray. This is a show about generational wealth, about finance, about wealth in general. In today's show, we have Caleb and his wife on here about to drop some gems. His wife, Sharice Dosman. This brother here is a Keller Williams real estate agent. This brother has 14 years of real estate investing experience. When we're talking about generational wealth, this brother is the example of that. This man told me he has five properties. Get this, the brother had six properties, sold one to be able to quit his job. Come on, fellas. Welcome this man and his wife to the show, Caleb and Sharif Dosman. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Black Men Sundays. I am honored to have you guys here. It's a blessing because like I tell all our guests, you guys can be anywhere in the world, but you're spending time out of your day with us, five properties deep, looking good, skin looking vibrant, looking like you've been to the Ponds Institute, <laughs> looking like you own the Ponds Institute. So Caleb and Sharice, it's Black Men Sundays. Welcome to the show. How you doing? Doing good, man. Appreciate that introduction, man. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. You know, I got my wife with me. You know, I couldn't... Uh, be where I'm at without her. So we we uh, partners, you know, we both invest. Uh, we both do this together. So just wanted to give you guys just a little bit of background, uh, education background and kind of, you know, introduce ourselves. Um, my name's Caleb Dossman and uh, just a little education background. I got my bachelor's in uh, business management and then I moved on to uh, get my MBA with the concentration in management and also currently a realtor for Keller Williams Realty and been an investor since 08. And, you know, some remember in 2008, that was a recession, during a recession. And that's when we started. And, you know, currently I manage all, uh, all, of, all of my personal, our personal properties, plus uh, manage other people's properties. So I'm Sharice Dossman. Um, so also some educational background for me. I have a bachelor's degree in finance. I also have an MBA in management. Um, I currently work at a financial institution. Um, I'm a business analyst there. I've been there for about approximately 14 years. I actually have worked in various positions within that um, organization. I've worked in credit. I've also worked in the refinance department. So I have a, a, a broad background when it comes to finance. Um, I'm also a real estate investor with, with Caleb. We manage our properties, like he mentioned. So that's basically a background for us. And we just kind of wanted to kind of share a little bit of our journey, you know, with everyone. Everybody has a different journey in life. Um, I just wanted to kind of let you guys know a little bit of our real estate journey. We uh, started in 2008 uh, together. We invested in our first property, first property um, in 2008. I think we what, paid like $175,000 for it. But that's where we started. Uh, didn't feel like we knew everything about real estate at the time. <laughs> But uh, we just loved looking at houses, loved looking around, you know, being nosy, looking at everybody's model home, even looking at the rich million dollar homes, uh, the estate sales, I think you used yeah, to go to too. Love those. Yeah. And then basically we bought after buying our first home, we stayed in there probably like, I think we were just being nosy, looking around. We didn't even buy blinds yet for the house. Like we had like, I think paper blinds up, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but we saw a second property and we fell in love with it. It was a three-story house and we just fell in love with it. We were like, man, let's build one of these. Didn't even put blinds up on the first one. And we, what we did was we just, we just like that. We're like, how do we get it? So we talked to the lender and they were like, you own a property. Why don't you find tenants for your first property? 
and then we could put you under contract over here. So what we did was we had to figure it out how to get a property management contract. How do we find, you know, and at this time I wasn't a real estate agent, you know, I, I was, how do we find the, the contracts and how do, how do we get this going? And basically we got it going and we got found tenants, got a contract, built the three-story home, um, you know, and as Corey stated, you know, it was, it was a house uh, out of the six that we bought that it was one that we sold. That was that house. Uh, we stayed there. We stayed in our first house for a little over a year. We were there for, for a little bit over a year. Um, and like, like Hill mentioned, we just, we just basically just picked up and left. We had to figure out the entire process on our own, read, going through Google, just asking questions. And that's, that's really the big thing was yeah. basically asking a lot of questions, talking to a lender, um, just finding out just different strategies that we could do. So that is a strategy that we went with. We went ahead and we packed up everything. We moved to that second property. Um, the basement was not finished. It wasn't so finished. No, nope. we spent that time there. We spent about saving five money years there. Yeah, we yeah. saved. I'd save like twelve, fifteen grand. Uh, we stayed there like five years. And when we finished that property, we did have the goal of, hey, we finish it. You know, it's going to be worth more. And what? And this was once again. I think the recession was still going on. Yep. That's what they say on TV. They say recession, but uh, we were doing fine. And basically uh, we sold that house. The money I made from that house, uh, you know, we made like, you know, a little over a hundred grand. And I was like, that's the money I'm going to use to put aside so I could quit my job so I can do what I want to do full time. Um, and, and that's what we did. But moving on from the second house, our third house basically was in a new neighborhood. I think it was yeah, it was a brand new neighborhood. Uh, we actually, we moved out of that property when we moved out of the house with the basement. We moved into the house with the, um, well, actually I was just found out that I was pregnant at the time. And so um, that was just crazy that we got a contract on our house at the same time that I found out that um, I was pregnant with our second child. And so we, we basically, we took the money, we moved to an apartment, waited for this house to finish building. And so we finally moved into that property. And then that was about five years ago. Um, we stayed there and we kind of talked through like, okay, what are we going to do next? So we, we stayed in the house for about a little over a year. And we were like, well, maybe we should rent this out at some point. And it just so happened that God lined it up just correctly to where um, I just happened to be at a dentist appointment. And it just took way too long. And I was like, well, let me just reschedule. I went over to the... Um, what was it, the, the model home. Mm -hmm. And I was happened to be talking to a lady that was there um, and, and the actual realtor that was in the office. And she said, yeah, there's a lady in here and she's looking to rent. And I was like, well, this might be a, a great you know, opportunity. So I just happened to talk to her. She pulled up as I was walking back over to, the, um, to our house. And she was like, yeah, I'm looking to rent and blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, well, let me talk to my husband. I walk in the house, I say, I'm playing video games, by the way. I, we just selling down. <laughs> we just selling, settling down. And she told me it was a lady willing to spend like twenty two hundred a month. And I was like, I put down the sticks. I'm like, let's move again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, she just happened to. Um, we just crossed paths, and and she wanted to pay the entire year up front. And so yeah, which is crazy. So, so that during, was and during that time, I mean, we just started to get in the concept of that strategy in real estate of, hey, if I stay here for a year, I can move, I can rent it out and move to the next one and keep doing it. Um, and what that does is it keeps you away. It keep it kept us away from paying 20% down. Like we knew we were invest, we were investors, uh, but normally as investors, you have to pay like 15, 20% down. 
some cases you can pay 10% if it's like your second home or something like that, but paying 20, 25% down to run away from that just to pay 5%. Um, and there's people who may have, if it's a $400,000 home and they're paying 20% down, they got to pay $80,000. Uh, you know, we did it in a way to say, Hey, if I could stay in the house per year and rent it out and I'm paying 5%, I'll rather do that four times uh, and I'll have four houses instead of paying 80,000 on one house. I'll rather spend 20, 20, 20, 20 uh, and have, you know, four houses. So basically from there, we moved on again. And where did we go from there? So after that, um, I told him, I was like, well, the, the neighborhood that we were actually in, um, it actually wasn't finished building. So we actually saw another property. It was actually a, a mo the model home oh, yeah. that they were actually building. In the same neighborhood. In the same exact neighborhood, one street over. Yep. And so we had to pack up everything again, move everything to an apartment. Apartments. Again. Uh, and so um, we kids. waited, right, with two kids. And so we had to wait for that house to finish building. That took about what, six seven, months, six, for months. It, yeah, for it to finish. Yep. So once that was done, we moved into that property. Um, so stayed, stayed in that property. Because we had that mentality at that time, like, this is just what we do, I guess. And nobody's really talking about it. Nobody has taught me this, right? God has just set us up like that. Where we, that's just what we do. We kind of just looked at it like, wow. So instead of paying 20%, all we got to do is move, right? And our kids weren't in school. They were going to preschool. Yeah, so it didn't matter what uh, what school district we were in. Right. So we could move wherever we wanted to move. And staying in that house, how long do we stay in the house? We were there for... a also probably year almost, two years. Yeah. almost two years almost two years yeah about, about two years um that and that was the benefit of of you know at the time our kids were young um and so we didn't like Kayla mentioned we didn't have to worry about um the school district they were in daycare so we knew that that time was coming to an end really right um and so at that point we said okay where do we want to move actually next? yeah for the kids in school and things yeah like what school do we want to be zoned for and so we ended up moving to gallatin um which was a different move for us because um it was a little bit further out from the area that we we typically stay in and so um, but it was a good deal. It was a sacrifice. Yeah, it, it was. It was a sacrifice. It was a brand new neighbor. Well, it was semi new neighborhood. They were still building new construction. Once again, um, a lot of the properties that or all of the properties that we've purchased have been new construction properties. Two car um, garages. Yeah, two car garage. This happened to be a one, one car, car garage. garage. So we kind of had to sacrifice a little bit as far as the space. But we knew that it would be worth it in the long run. Mm -hmm. um, so we ended up moving there um, because of that that property had three bedrooms and or has three bedrooms and two flex rooms and so we knew that that would be very marketable for people to want to actually live in that type of property because then you have those flex spaces um and that just so happened to be around the time when covid hit oh so, yeah <laughs> so we were actually living there when we found out we had to be indoors it was and, tough. And, and it was it was crazy so so we ended up staying there for we knew we didn't want to stay there for more than a year. Sure. So we stayed there for a year. And that's the that's the actual rule. We have you have to stay in the property for at least a minimum year. time. Minimum time. And so um, so we stayed there. And during that time, we just happened to just keep looking around and trying to look for other properties. And we found the house that we're in now. Um, and for some reason, the builder, I think that maybe when they were pricing 
maybe they weren't sure about the pricing it was, and with COVID. Yeah, COVID was a big thing because people, this is a time when COVID, you know, was on everybody's screen and how many people dying and how many people caught it. And it was a fear thing. So if you even hear from this journey, you're hearing a lot of fear. People had a lot of fear when it was during the recession. Recession lasts for what, like six years at least, seven years, however long it lasted. Um, we were buying houses during that time. During, during, and that, you know, and, and during the time of, of when we bought this house here, it's the one we have now. It was a huge fear with COVID. Like the new builder came in the subdivision because we have multiple builders in this subdivision and they just were scared. Like people weren't coming outside. So they were like, we'll give you half off this, half off that, half off if we built another room for you. Half because they they don't they didn't know how it was gonna play out. So we took that. <laughs> we were like half that, half that. So we were blessed definitely on this property. You know, this property to me gave the most gave us the fastest equity. Yeah. Uh we paid like four hundred thirty thousand for this house. Um, and I could sell it. And we, we paid four hundred thirty thousand for this house last year, February. Uh, we've been in this house for a year and a month, and we can sell this house for over seven hundred thousand today. And and that's just kind of like what real estate kind of brought to us. And we just kind of wanted to leave y'all with you know three of the main reasons because you guys kind of heard you know I bought it for this or we moved again, moved again. Kind of the three motivating factors that kind of motivate us to really buy real estate and invest in real estate. And while we love it, um, is you know one is cash flow. Um, you know cash flow. You know some people hear it as uh, passive income. You know, having a tenant uh, in your home that you own and they uh, pay rent. Uh, but what you do with that rent money is you pay your mortgage payment and you also pay maybe your property management or whatever other fees you have that you have to pay with that check. Uh, whatever's left over, that's that's profit for you. That's your passive income. Um, so that's one of the main reasons we we, you know, love real estate. And then the other two um, is their appreciation, number, number two. And then the third one is the loan pay down. So for the appreciation, of course, when you're in a property over time, that property appreciates in value. So therefore the difference between um, the value and the actual uh, loan amount, that is your equity. And so we love the fact that when you purchase a property over time, your value is, or your, your house value is gonna go up. And so like, for instance, the house that we have in Goodlettsville, um, we purchased that at about 175,000. We, we can sell it now for about 370. So that gap is that equity. Um, and then of course, number three is that loan pay down. One thing about having a property that someone else is living in is the fact that um, they're living there, they're working for the money, they're the ones that are paying down yep. the, the actual balance on the um on the house that's it that just also depends on how much you're charging of course so let's say your amount for your mortgage is a thousand dollars and then you're charging them nineteen hundred dollars um you're paying that thousand dollars on your mortgage payment and that loan balance is being paid down so you're basically getting a benefit on both ends you're getting that appreciation which is the value the market value of the house going up and you're also getting that person paying down that value as well so you're basically winning on both ends so um so that is that is the best part to me about those are the two three of the best parts about investing in real estate. That's cash flow, appreciation, and of course the loan they paid on piece of that. Nice, nice, great information, great intro. And listen, fellas, you must go to www.blackmensundays.com, scroll to the bottom, subscribe. If you have questions, even if you're not available to be on the recording, if you have questions, your questions are guaranteed to be answered. So we're gonna go 
to one of the subscribers questions for you guys. What's your advice to potential first time home buyers who are scared to invest in real estate? First of all, I'll try to figure out what that fear is. Um, but even without knowing that specific fear, um, you have options. So let's say your fear is, man, um, what if I lose my job? What if I buy it and invest and I lose my job? Well, you can sell it. What if your fear is, uh, you know, what if I want to try the thing like you tried and I, I, I rent it out to a tenant um, or I can't find a tenant? Um, you know, first of, first of all, everybody's going to need a place to lay their head. That's one thing about real estate is you're going to have to sleep somewhere. Um, and we never have problem finding tenants, never. There's, there, you know, I, I think like tenants versus owners, there's mad tenants out there um, and they would love to live in a house. Um, so I never had a problem with that. There there could be, you just have multiple options. If, if, if you can adjust the, the rent, you know, if, if you feel like, oh man, nobody's, you know, come in, like, you know, maybe if I lower the rent, um, you can increase it, sell it, use the equity out of it to hold you down uh, for quite some time that you need to find the next job if you lost your job. You know, you can you can do like we did and sell it and use that money to quit your job. Um, it's so many options when you own a house. It's, it's not just like anything else, like you either buy or sell. Like, nah, you can, you can put family in it. We even use one of our houses uh, you know, like we stated our journey, we even used one of our houses, we moved back into one instead of going to an apartment, because it was a time to where one of our rental properties was coming up. And we were like, man, we supposed to re relist it so we could get another tenant. We were like, nah, instead of living in an apartment like we did, let's move back to one of our houses. So if there's ever a situation that we have, we can either look at, we could look at all of our properties and say, if we get, let's say we get in a tight spot, like, you know what? man, you, there's a recession or whatever, and you lost your job. It's like, okay, well, let's pick the house that has the cheapest mortgage payment and let's move into there, you know? So it's just it's just so many options. And that, that's what one of the reasons we love it as well. Great information because, uh, and I'm gonna ask this one more question. I'm gonna open it up to the fellas, let them slide in, um, because just to let you guys know this Black Man Sunday, so on the live, you have a lawyer on here that um, owns his own law firm. You have homeowners on here, you know, you have business owners as well. So, and then when, you know, on our podcast, I mean, the stage is wide open. There's brothers that have never owned homes. There's brothers that want to own homes. And there's brothers that I've talked to that say, I don't need to own a home to get generational wealth. I can just invest in Robinhood. I can just invest in stocks. What, what advice would you have to that comment? I would say to each his own. You know, I could just tell my story, you know, you know, if, if you believe that you can gain genera generational wealth uh, through stocks alone, um, have at it. For me, it's all about ownership. That, that That's just the main. So if you feel like you own stock and you've seen and you do your research and you you you've seen it happen and you got a coach or you're educated on it and you see the pattern like we've seen to get our second and third and fourth and fifth house and be confident about it, have at it, you know. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that, hey, real estate is the only way, um, but I do believe in ownership and I do believe having money work for you or having somebody work for you. Like in our case, having tenants is like somebody working for you because they're paying down your 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 loan, your debt um, and increasing your pockets, increasing your net worth. So to each his own. Uh, but just make sure that you do your research when it deals with investing in general 
make sure you have somebody that uh, knows what they're doing and you see the results that they have, uh, have them mentor you or whatever it takes, um, but see the results for sure. And if the results are working for you, then, hey, you know, have at it. That's how, that's how I kind of approach things. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, my second question is, because just hearing you guys, you typically on average about two years in the home. Is that advice that you would, you know, give to our audience about living your house about two years before you think about making a move, selling it, renting it out, i.e.? Yeah, it depends uh, on how much. Yeah, I guess it really depends on, I guess, if you have the funds available to purchase the next property. I guess however long it'll take for you to, to save that money. And of course you can talk to a lender to find out like different strategies as far as like a down payment. Um, if you need a down payment assistance or if they have any kind of programs for that, that can, that can help you to get to where you want to be faster. Um, but as long as you stay there for that amount of time that they're requiring you to stay in the property, I mean, that's the, that's the number one thing to look at is um, your, your actual time limit that you, that you or your, the amount of time you have to spend the property for the first house um, before moving to the next one. But for us, you know, we've stayed around a year, year and a half. We were at that property for five years, but um, on average, it was about a year and a half. And we were able to do that. So, so everybody's in a different situation. So we would we would be on to our 10th house probably if we didn't have kids. If we were able to just, if you're single and you're doing this, you move anywhere. Get up, move, year, get up, move year uh you know if you're married no kids get up move year if, if you got kids and you don't care about them switching schools every two years or whatever do it you know but it, it depends on that person's situation also dealing with money if you if you it depends what your end goal is as well if your end goal is to hey i want five houses and i want those five houses to be you know passive income for that and be set for life if your goal is to hey keep rolling the dice then if you got 20 percent, why not split up five 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 and have four houses instead of putting the whole 20% in one, you know, just leveraging, you know, in different situations. But yeah. I guess everybody has a different strategy. It's all about the strategy with real estate. I feel like there's a lot of, a different lot avenues. of different strategies that you can use. Um, and this is just one. Um, and so everybody will be able to, once you do your research, you'll be able to kind of come up with your, with your own. So for the brothers and sisters out there who've always rented that are renting, they're comfortable renting, they don't feel like they have enough money to own a home. Are there any programs that you can offer or just, you know, put out that the brothers can research just yeah. to, you know what I mean? I, I'd say reach out to your local lender, um, wherever you're, you're at. I know for uh, this Tennessee market that I'm in, they have things like, you know, THDA loans and things of that nature, you know, which I try to help people with that which I get with lenders since they're professionals at it and I have them speak on like my social media pages uh by asking them what programs are offered and you know some of them have it to where they pay down your down they pay your down payment um they have other programs you know to where you know they have governmental assistant type programs so I would say get with your local uh lender uh the reason I say local lender is is because you know they have internet all type of lenders everywhere, but the one that's local to you will know about the specific governmental programs that they have for that specific area. Um, there's there's different ones for depending on which area it's in. So that's what I would say on that one. Okay, great information. And also um, for the brothers out there that are renters, never owned a property. Because for me, I mean, I'm a brother where I'm a, I've only lived in my house three years. 
no one really in my family owns they're from new york so they've always rented so yeah man so you know you learn a lot when a family member passes away been in that apartment since 1970 they passed away in 2021 and there's nothing to get out of that you know what i mean so it does hit you a little different cool with putting my business out there because i know i'm not the only one going through this it's a generational issue like you know in past shows we talk about generational wealth but we also have to mention generational poverty and we have to uh, Mm. escape from that you know what i mean so that leads to my final question before we open the stage up to the brothers is you know, for the brothers out there that, okay, you know, I have a little money. I wear Celine. I can buy Balenciaga. I have a car. I have an apartment. I have some funds, but I'm not spending the money correctly. So what type of credit score should I bring to the table before I say, okay, let me get a real So, What type of credit score, what minimum should I have and how much money down, how much cash down should I have available? Um, I, I would say, uh, <clears throat> you know, each, each lender is different. So, you know, once again, talk to a professional uh, lender, uh, you know, from, you know, what I've, what I've seen is, is, you know, having, you know, partners as lenders saying, they say that um, a 580 at the lowest, I, I think that's like a FHA loan. Um, so I think that's like the minimum. Um, and as far as dealing with, um, you know, the money thing and renting situation, um, you know, I think platforms, you know, that you have Corey going on here, I believe the brothers that are on here and they get to pay attention and listen to the success that someone else had dealing with ownership, then they could either further educate themselves. Uh, and then whatever they do after they educate themselves or after hearing your podcast, it's up to them. Everybody's gonna make a different decisions. You know, like the Bible say, for my people perish for the lack of knowledge. So you can get what you can get from this podcast, from books and everything else of that nature, but it's up to you to make that decision. Now, if you hear everything that you hear on podcasts in the previous podcast, I think it was episode five, uh, where it talks about, you know, real estate and things of that nature. Um, I got greatly blessed from the brother that was on air. You hear that information, you could do what you want to do with it. And you might say, hey, it's easier to rent that. Hey, if you good with living like that, you know, to each his own. But this is a great platform for that. So, you know, just get educated. And if it's your decision to rent for life, rent for life, have your money work for you somehow. Gotcha. And the show he's talking about, episode five, that was brother Tony Bland. He went into mad gyms on that. But uh, right now, let's open the floor to the brothers. Go ahead, guys. I know you got questions. Is there like an emergency fund strategy that you could uh, talk about to help reduce the risk in case multiple renters don't pay the rent simultaneously? You know, typically, like typically lenders, they'll they'll require you to have some type of um, a reserve before you even purchase um, the next property. So it depends on the lender. Some people may need like five months, four months, six months. Um, so that's a good question to ask the lender. How much um, do you require in your reserve? Because they do want to see that. They want to make sure that, like you said, if everybody decides not to pay, where are you going to get the money from? So that is something that is a requirement. And I think they count, I think they count, then they they also can count your 401k if they see, you know, they can count that as part of that percent, part of that percentage, whatever the percentage they give you or require for that reserve. Yeah, that's a good emergency. Yeah. A lot of people don't don't realize that that if you if you ever get in a situation to where you don't have a reserve, you can always show them that statement. You don't have to pull the money out. They just need to see see it that is there. So when you get considered for amount to purchase a property. Say you already got three properties. 
uh, when they're determining how much they're going to win, do they consider the the rental amount as far as addition to your debt to income ratio and all that stuff? Yeah. So they take like, let's say you have like a rental property that's like $2,000 a month. They'll take that and multiply by 75%. So they'll take that amount and add that to your income. So yes, that 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 is in consideration to get um, the next property. They have to use the funds and that you just give them a, a, an actual copy of your um, contract and then they can take that number and then they can put that into your ratio. And of course, you know, as far as accuracy with my statement, you definitely want to talk to them for just the exact number that they're going to do. Okay. Appreciate the info. Keep keep up the great work. Thanks for spreading the knowledge. Really helps a lot. Thanks. Thanks, man. Is there any type of special insurance that you they uh, that the lenders have you to carry once they know that you're going to rent the property out? Uh, outside of you know the regular homeowners insurance that you must carry on the home, is there any special type of insurance you have to? put on the house. Yeah, so they do require you to, once you change it from your um, primary residence to your rental, to a rental property, you do have to get renter, um, change your type of insurance coverage yeah. to let them know that you do have tenants in that property. So that amount um, would change as far as the amount for your property. So they'll change, the, they'll basically get a brand new um, policy when you have a tenant in the property. And it's important to tell your insurance, uh, company that that is actually a rental property because if anything happens to that property and it's a rental property and you didn't let them know that it's a rental property and they didn't change over the policy you know insurance companies always trying to get away with stuff so just make sure that that matches up because if it don't match up one of the dudes told me at liberty mutual he was like oh you weren't covered so it has to match what it actually is for if it's your primary residence let them know boom once you switch it over to tenant or a rental property let them know, make sure they change the policy so that house will be considered a rental property. Yeah, make sure there's no gaps in there. That yeah, no gaps. Like, we hadn't had to um, actually go in and, and actually put in a claim during a gap, but yeah, just making sure that, that you follow up with them, make yeah. sure that they've actually changed it over because sometimes they'll turn it off and then- They forget they to forget follow to up or change it. You yeah. change it over to the actual um, renter type of um, insurance. So yeah, just make sure you follow up with them. Did you guys utilize the equity in your home to pay for uh, other homes or did you use your, you know, your liquidity on hand or your cash on hand? How did you finance the 5% that you are man, that's mandatory for you to pay? Sometimes uh, I, I, I think this is the first time I think we're actually going to start using our equity to purchase other homes and things of that nature. But, you know, saving and, uh, you know, tapping to your 401k if needed. And, you know, during the time that, you know, we were in for a year or two, the property, you know, saving, you know, just knowing that, hey, we're going to keep this thing going. You got to tap into your 401k again, do it, move on, uh, you know, making passive income from the previous property, saving it. But this is the first time that we're actually, um, and I think we we got a lot, a lot of things to talk about because the equity that we accumulated is kind of like, okay, what do you want to do? Uh, and when we know we could buy houses, you know. Uh, with the equity because that's what it's, it's, it's good for you know to do but yeah this is our first time to actually really do it so um glad you asked that question because that's something that you know we definitely need to talk more about because you know this is going to be our first time doing it that way but yeah we mostly just saved yeah save 401k is a big one i think that um that that was something that we definitely especially right there at the beginning just happening into that um just to get that money because you know over time as you can see in the market right now, the longer you wait, 
you know, then you're dealing with the yeah. higher prices. So, um, you know, just, just the simple back to the simple savings, look at, look at what you're spending your money on, try to see where you can cut um, different things. It could be small things, yeah. just not noticing that things are being charged to your credit card that, you know, are, are annual uh, or mm-hmm. monthly fees. Um, just cutting down on, on the spending. And then, um, like I said, major thing was definitely 401k. Is it a good idea to take money out of your 401k to invest in a home? So with the 401k, I would say that a lot of people may use their 401k for a lot of different things. Like maybe they might buy a car or they may buy, you know, go on a vacation or things like that. But we have in the past used our 401k to go towards like a a down payment um, for a home. So personally, I don't, I don't mind using 401k, like not necessarily to withdraw the money from the 401k, but maybe to get a loan against the 401k um, because the payment is, is, should not be that large, um, especially if you know that you're going to have the funds to pay it back pretty quickly. Um, I don't see an issue with pulling that money out of the 401k to purchase an asset um, now, if you're going to buy something that's not, you know, going to going to generate funds or generate money, I don't I don't think that it would be a great idea. But if you know that you're going to purchase something that's going to benefit you in the long run, I personally don't have an issue with pulling funds off of 401k. I agree. I, I think, you know, you know, for me, just in my life, it's just been real estate has been a realest thing that I've uh, done. So um, but I don't. I'm all for making your money work. So even if you don't believe in real estate to the fullest, um, if you believe in making your money work, my thing is outside of real estate or even in real estate, just make sure that you do your research and what you're investing in. But I'm all for making your money work while you sleep. So if you use your 401k, I don't believe in, you know, like my wife said, with taking 401k out for vacations and taking 401k out to go party or living life, you know, but I do believe in if you're going to use your 401k to use it for uh, something in which it's an asset. So using it as good debt, because there's a difference between good debt and bad debt and good debt is something to where it's an asset and it's making you money. You know, of course, bad debt is something like a car or, or vacations and using it for other things of that nature. So um, I'm all for anybody that's knowledgeable about any other way outside of real estate, too, uh, that they use a 401k for something that gives them some passive income and make their money work. Exactly. And, and definitely you want to use that like if you know that those funds, like let's say, you know, that you need an additional like let's say $2000 or something like that to go towards your down payment. I feel like, you know, that 401k is is a good option. Last option for sure, but it's definitely a good option um, to use if you know that you need these funds, you know, for something that an asset for a, a home that you know that you're going to make money from. I had a question actually about the tenant situation because Nelson and I we are trying to do like real estate and dip our toe into the real estate market. We just got our second home. And I've always told him because I suck at managing people. Well, I don't suck at it, but I just don't like it. Right. So I think having in my mind, it's like, okay, now if we have tenants, then we have to make sure they pay on time and they don't tear up our house. So, (laughs) So I guess my question is, have you ever had like a really bad tenant? Hmm. that like tore up the house now you got to put all this stuff into it or they didn't pay or they were just it shady. Was, 
It was in our rookie years. It was our first property. You know how we had to hurry up and find somebody so you get that second house. Okay. It was the fr- it was it was our doing our rookie years of that first house, and we learned a lot. Uh, but they didn't necessarily, you know, thank God didn't like tear up the house. You Not know how people yeah. get mad Not and patch a wall. You know. Yeah, but it wasn't like where they, you know put steam in inside the toilets and all that like it wasn't not no horror story but yeah. the you know the horror story came from just being bad tenants meaning like uh them not paying or or um they just coming left. to that point yeah, yeah or yeah. just just yeah, random that, stuff yeah. man just yeah someone we had someone that just left up and left we didn't know um we've had someone that same property they they just didn't pay they couldn't pay and they had and kids and everything had to get them out of there so um, so yeah. we learned a lot, you know, definitely from that. And, and just by learning those things, um, we were able to kind of put more parameters around, yes. um, you know, when we're first trying to, to find the tenants and kind of screen them Yeah. right at the beginning, the screening process became a very, very serious thing. part about, of trying to find someone because once you screen them and, and you know what you're looking for. Um, I feel like that makes the entire process, process so, easy. so much easier because now you're dealing with somebody that you have screened and you know that they're dependable. And then usually by the, at that point, you won't you usually don't have an issue um, after and, that. And I mean, and also like we do it ourselves because, you know, we've both been in credit, but you can get what you if you if you got a friend, you know, lender, make friend, you know, have a friend, you know, make friends with lenders because they could do it for you. Like. They can do the credit part for you. Like, would you, you know, would this be a, a guy that, or, you know, family that would, you know, be good or whatever to enter into the home, blah, blah, blah. And they could do it for you. Um, Got it. Okay. But okay. yeah, we, we basically just kind of been hurt, you know, during the first go around, during your rookie years, you make mistakes and that's how you learn. So, uh, you know, I don't regret those, you know, those moments because it, Kind of got us to where we're at today and managing to where we're just very careful who enters in our house because it's it's harder to get them out you know once yeah. they're in so just taking your time or you know who gets in there yeah thank you so much for that yeah. i think another problem that i'll have to get over to is uh being too attached to the houses that i live in yeah and <laughs> so that, that you know you can't be attached if you want to I guess play the game that you're you guys are playing. Um, yeah. Follow up question though. I think I heard Caleb say something about a management company. Do you guys have a management company for your properties now? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, I, I manage, I manage uh, you know, our personal properties plus plus other people's properties. And I do it, you know, we have our own LLC, but you know, we're you know, my broker's license I don't have yet, but um, I'm under KW right now. You know, that's my mission to always own. You know, when I say ownership in, in real estate, it's not just in real estate. I want to own everything that I have. Um, so I do want to own my real estate firm, my own real estate firm. But yeah, right now, um, you know, it's under the license of uh, Kelly Williams Realty. Nice. Thank you, guys. I got another one, Corey, uh, real quick. So I know you, you guys said when you uh, put a renter into your first property, the requirement went from like 20% down from the second property to 5%, right? So how does that work? So people will know um, kind of what to do if they're in that situation. So yeah, so the, the first one. Yeah, I think the, the first one we did was um, as an FHA loan. Um, and that was uh, 
3.5%. Um, and then from there forward, we did conventional loans and that's um, about 5%. Yeah, I mean, you could do three, what was it, 3.5? And then some people could refinance into a conventional loan. And then the second house, you really could probably do a 3.5 again, if you want, you know, to stay low. But, you know, starting off first time home buyer, 3.5%. And then everything there on forward, you know, if, if you stay in there at least a year, you can go a conventional loan of uh, 5% down payment. Okay. Thanks, man. Yeah. So, you know, initially we talked about uh, you guys, the first two homes, but like I said in the intro, Sharice and Caleb Dosman own five properties, five. So we only got through the first two. So let's talk about the plans for number three, number four, number five, and also a subscriber question that kind of mixes in with this is what risks did you identify when you decided to buy your second property? But I want to expand that question to what risk um, did you identify when you bought second, third, fourth, and fifth? So of course, you know, the more, the more properties you purchase, of course, the risk is definitely that, um, like Juanita mentioned, you know, you, you run the risk of, of, people possibly making a, a mess in your property, destroying, you know, your, some of your property. So to me, that is the risk. I mean, of course, when you're purchasing more, more homes, um, you're opening up yourself to more of those opportunities to happen. Um, we did go through and talk about um, the five, which the five, the fifth one is, of course, the house that we're in now. Um, but in total, we, we did purchase a total of six properties. And so and we, like Caleb mentioned, we did um, sell one of them um, and we used those funds and he was able to, to leave his job. But that is the main risk to me is that is, is, is definitely that those tenants do have the possibility to mess up your property. However, you can kind of, you know, screen them beforehand and you can see, a, you can learn a lot, but just by looking at credit alone, just, just as far as the pendability and things like that. Um, so you can kind of basically manage. It's a risk that can be managed. Yes. It's a risk that can, how you said, minimum decrease. You can minimize your risk by yeah. you know, adding parameters around parameters around it to make it to make it easy. Um, and then also just you know we knew the area that we were investing in. So when you do invest, um, you know make sure you you kind of do some research about what's this, what's to come. We were always interested into okay, this looks like an interesting house, but what is building around it? What's building a mile away? How close as far as Walmart or Publix or just getting a feel of the area? Um, and and when you see growth, you know, I always see cranes, I always see new things building, you know, that's growth to me. So, you know, just make sure that you invest, you know, when you do purchase, that you're purchasing the areas that are growing and that seems like people want to be at. Uh, school districts. And we, yeah, school districts, exactly. Uh, and one of the things that my wife and I uh, kind of talked about on all of our investments is us purchasing something that we wouldn't mind living in. So not just purchasing something just to buy something, throw tennis in there. Something that if I had to go back there, I could live there. If I like it, they'll like it. You know, and that's kind of kind of what we've been rolling with um, and all of our houses like people love. So, yeah. And I, and I think and I mentioned the school districts because um, one thing that I've noticed is that, um, or both notice is that when you have a property that is in a desirable school district, it makes it a lot easier to find tenants because a lot of people are moving or looking at houses 
um, to move their, their kids into or their family into to where within that area, you know that you're gonna be able to get a desirable school. So um, that is something that um, I think that is something that is really important to, to think about when you're purchasing a property, like, hmm, will this come up as a, as a green flag for people that, right. hey, this is, an, a, this is zoned for this specific school? Um, because people will pay. They you know, will pay, they will for, pay their for their children. They will pay an extra, extra funds knowing that they're going to get into a good school where they don't have to pay for private school because the school, the public school is actually um, a desirable school. So that's just something to definitely keep in mind when you're thinking about investing. Because, I mean, even as a realtor, I'm seeing people come to Tennessee from California just moving down here. Uh, and, you know, if they have a family, you know, one of the main questions they're going to ask is, what are the good, where are the good schools? And then they're led to this area and they're led to that area. So if your house falls under one of those areas, you will always be good. At what point is it a good time to sell the roof over my head? I, I mean, my, my, I mean, I can only tell you what I would do. Um, and, and my thing is, you know, it's not like the stock market to me, you know, buy low, sell high. That sounds like stocks. Um, like I said, in real estate, you have options. Just give me the situation, I'll give you an option. In this situation, what I would do is you're able to still own that house that you're in. You don't have to move move nothing. You can take the equity, do a refinance, take the equity that you have in your home, which I'm sure since houses are you know, skyrocketing right now that you have good equity, that you could take that and use it. Maybe do like a second home and pay only 10% down. Uh, find a home maybe in Florida or find a home somewhere, you know, in some mountain area, wherever, and, you know, pay 10% down and buy a second home and, and Airbnb it or, um, or pay for property management to uh, manage it for you. Um, and you don't have to even leave the house because, you know, the, the, the good thing about doing that is the fact that, you know, when they say buy low, sell high, um, you know, you don't know how high you don't know. It was plenty of times when I was in, real, in the stock market where it was like, oh, it's high. It's high. I think that's it. I think that's it. And it takes a little quick, quick breather and it still goes up. And people are like, when is it going to stop? When is it going to stop? And the people that got off, they missing out. So with real estate, you could keep your house, take that money out, use that money out of your equity, don't even move. And then you could still, what was one of the three, have your house appreciate at the same time and that 10% that you put in another house, that probably is appreciating as well. Um, and you could just stick stick in the crib that you got and, you know, and don't have to move if you don't want to. If you do want to move, then you could just move and pay 5%. So it depends on, you know, your finances, the equity that you have, kind of what you want to do. 5%, you can move, find renters in there and you can, you can find renters and get a contract before you even move out your current house. So um, 5%, 10% or do 20%. I mean, it just depends, you know, but yeah, I, I, I don't think you have to, you know, sell or get rid of. Like even for instance, like we were talking about, um, you know, the house that we purchased with the basement and, and the house that we um, sold, oh, yeah. um, that is a property to where like we bought it like for in the twos and like we sold in the threes, but then right now it's worth about five or almost right. six. <laughs> so, you know, because we sold, we missed out on that opportunity to get that extra $200,000. 
So we could have actually kept that house. Yeah. And if we had known more of the options, like if we had decided to, hey, let's let's rent it out. Um, and we did talk about that, but at the time we said, well, at, we didn't really want to to turn it into a rental because we just felt like the house was. We just were ready to just sell because yeah. we felt like we didn't want to manage a, you know, a house that size. But when we're looking back now, you know, looking looking in the past, we could have just kept it. We could have yeah. just turned it into a rental. Um, you can always add a, a line of credit on the property um, and just take out that That's equity and, and use it, um, use it to purchase the next one. That's true. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I would definitely talk to, you know, a lender about options just so that you'll know all of the different options that you have before selling. And then, but if that's the situation that you're in where you feel like you should sell. Um, if you have a then, plan for it. If you have too. a plan, go for it. Multi-family uh, properties. Have you considered putting that into your investment portfolio for real estate? Yeah, we, we've been talking about that lately. Um, we we are trying to, of course, you know, right now the market is, crazy. is crazy. Um, but we're definitely thinking about that um, now um, to look at some type of multifamily type of unit. In our area, we would have to basically um, buy land and build on it, develop the land and build multi-property units because it's hardly none for real for sale right now. And, and, and I mean, they have like a lot of duplex options out in Nashville, but it's not that many options as far as like just buying it. And I just always looked at it. I mean, and looking at the ones that are available, I just looked at it like, hey, I might as well just build my own and and, and utilize it that way. Or it's it's a kind of a shortage of um, developed land out here. So they got land, but it's not developed land. So so that's kind of something that we've been thinking about. And I've been trying to, when I find time to get into it, uh, that I want to do is develop land and actually possibly build a multi-unit or something like that. I mean, but yeah, we yeah, certainly but- have considered Okay. Yeah, because that's the same problem out in Atlanta right now. There's just not that many duplexes available. Yeah. So it seems like you're going to have to... We looked at Alabama. The return on investment wasn't really uh, popping because the rent was so low out there in some of these rural areas. But yeah. wiping, I would think it too, we might as well just try to buy some land and just build on do. So yeah, yeah, I was just wondering because it seemed like that's a good option for a first-time buyer. So I guess anyone that might be a first-time buyer. Cause we get oh a yeah, that's a great option. Yeah, you're able to buy and then your tenant living is paying it. your rent and your property. So you're living for free. So you can take that money and start flipping it that you're saving on rent or mortgage. Yep. So. That's a strategy. That's a strategy. <laughs> yeah. There's so many different, you know, strategies, you know. Yeah. I, I love that strategy. I, I, I think that's a, a awesome Especially strategy. First time home because, buyers. Yeah. If you're a first-time home buyer Woo. and you could take one side and you can oh, mortgage a thousand dollars. And you decide you that free. you're going to rent out the other side for a thousand dollars. You can live on the other side for free. I mean, that's it's just a, it's a great strategy. There, that's another that's the benefit that loan paydown. That's benefit number three that exactly. we talked about. You know, just going into that that loan paydown, and you don't even have to do anything at that point. So I got my little cousin on the line. Make sure you take note of that. Instead of Corey just telling you, you heard it from someone else as well. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, when you get into the point where you're developing that land, man, hit me up because I need to learn that as well. So. For sure. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I got to do it, man. I got to do it. Because I'm like, it's not that many, uh, like I said, it's not that many options. So I'm like, why don't I create it and provide options and let builders come to me, you know? Yes, sir. And keep in mind those uh, those $50,000 Tesla houses that uh, Elon Musk is putting out. I'm trying to see how we can flip those. But look it up when you get a chance, all right? 50000 
$50,000 houses? Tesla, yeah, they like Tesla boxes or something like that. The Elon Musk. Uh, yeah, man. They high tech too. So I was telling Corey, they might have like a concept of a digital trailer park because, you know, inside of oh, them. Oh, yeah. You know, 50,000 of them. So check that out when you get a time. So that means that mean, that mean we might be able to buy land and put a bunch of those Tesla boxes on there. Exactly. <laughs> Watch out, brother. You teach me. <laughs> Like me and Sunday, we're getting popping up here. <laughs> All right. Well, I was going to say, are there any last uh, comments you guys want to yeah, make? Sure. Just, just want to let, you know, everything we told y'all, the journey and all that stuff. Um, you know, we accumulated, you know, we acquired like um, a little over 2.5 million, uh, you know, and, in, in, you know, uh, the value of homes and things of that nature and real estate. Um, and we, you know, plan on continuing doing what we're doing. Uh, just in a different way. So we've done this strategy uh, that got us to this point. Uh, now we're working with equity to where, you know, we got to figure out what, you know, we want to do what's next. So we got all type of ideas. Now we throwing the Tesla boxes in there, you know? Right. So we just got, you know, we'll start next to that one. right. So we got, we got a lot of options now. And, you know, sometimes, you know, how you go uh, in a store and you, you know, you want to buy everything when you ain't got that much money in your pocket. Right. But then when you got the money, you go back in the store you realize you don't really want to buy nothing or you're taking your time and you know everything looks differently and that's that's where we're at now so we're just we're just watching real estate we're watching everything but one thing we do know is that our money's going into real estate you know so um but just want to let everybody know our end goal is to um chill i mean our end goal is basically to let all these properties pay uh for our living I, you know, our end goal is for me to be able to play video games with my son today and not work like I was dealing with a, a property, you know, today. Um, my end goal is to be able to have passive income to cover everything, all my needs to where uh, I could wake up when I want to wake up. You know, I could do what I want to do. So that's that's our end goal is to keep doing what we're doing. And, um, you know, we we believe that it's going to get us there. I agree. Gotcha. We just want to definitely don't want anybody to forget. Yet, you know, the benefits like we talked about, you know, cash flow appreciation and loan pay down. Um, those are the, the main things that we uh, love about real estate. We love all of the aspects of real estate. We love all types of real estate. Um, and so we're definitely going to use um, what we've learned so far. And of course, what we've, what we've learned today right. um, and, and use that to our benefit in the future to um, gain uh, freedom. So More time. Yeah. And whatever you do, just make money work for you. I, I don't care if you do stocks. I don't care. Like, do you. You can rent all your life, but make sure money is working for you some way besides you going into work. And that's the only way that you're working for money. Make money work out. Great information. That concludes Black Men Sundays. Um, we have one more show before we start our season two. So with that said, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, Caleb and Sharice, uh, thank you for your information. Very enlightening. You got me wanting to go buy a couple more properties. Yeah, man, I've been a little scared to step into the waters, but I'm like, you know, um, we, we have a little bit to play with. So I think I might step yeah. out after hearing from you guys. So thanks for your information. Thank you for your time. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you spent it with us on Black Men Sundays. Peace. Peace. Check it.